Hey yo, hey yo, Chico, what's up? Hey yo, 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 yo. All right. So today is um Monday. I think it's the twelfth, two thousand twenty, like five thirty in the morning. Uh, no, actually six thirty. I'm on my way to work, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna get this next. I'm gonna get this episode started up. You know, it's that time of the week, and uh, I got a lot. We got a lot to go over and discuss. Um, I got a lot of things I want to talk about. I'm gonna try to cram this episode, you know, into several several topics, but basically. I had an amazing weekend. You know, it was kind of a post-birthday weekend weekend. Kind of a, you know, it was, it was an action-packed weekend from start to finish. And, you know, a lot of things happened. Just a lot of things happened. So in this episode, let's touch on the COVID crisis. Uh, it looks like President Trump has made a full recovery. Allegedly, you know, if he had it, you know, he's beating it, I guess. Now he's plans on running out there and doing some more um, campaigning, which, you know, he should. If he's able to, he should. Um, I don't expect him to kowtow out of the presidency at all. I do think he did irreparable harm to himself contracting it uh, because most of most of the Americans, you know, most of the Americans are level-headed, chill. They just want to go about their life and you know be as little bothered as possible. Most are not right-winging or left-winging at all. Uh, I kind of find myself more towards the middle. I'm not conservative at all, but. I kind of find myself like, yo, just, you know, just in the middle of shoot. But I do lean more left. I mean, I'm, I'm on the left side. Uh, as I've stated in the past, I'll never forgive the Republicans for the last two presidents ever in my life. So, But I do think he's done, a, I do think Biden's done a well enough job to, to not only sneak this from Trump, but, you know, that... The coronavirus got Trump. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, most people are going to be like, wow, he, maybe he should have been wearing a mask. Maybe Biden makes sense. Maybe if everybody wore a mask for a couple of months, you know, it, this would be over. And not still lingering on months and months after the fact. So I do think, yeah, I do think America is going to change him out uh, because he got the virus. And I think that might do him. But I do expect him to try to fight it and, and go out swinging. So... That's that on the little update. And, and I do think the virus, um, it's, still lingering, it's still lingering around. So, I know it's fucking up the NFL schedules. And I do think that flare-ups are going to pop up in different places where people, uh, you know. God damn, I don't have a fucking mask. I thought I had a mask in my car. Speaking of the devil, maybe they're maybe they're hiding from me, but I'll find it right now. Um, 
But anyways, uh, moving on from that, you know, this episode, I'm going to talk about, obviously, the Lakers in their championship. Now is their championship victory. Uh, I want to talk about the Raiders and the Raiders beating the impossibly titanic Kansas City Chiefs, their big win. Uh, I want to talk about the boys a little bit. Season 2 came to an end, I think, for me on last Friday. Uh, I went to the movies for the first time in fucking, I don't know how long. So there's that. And then, you know, and, and I took a trip to Laughlin, you know. So I want to discuss all that. I got a whole plate of things you know, to discuss in this episode. And I'm going to start with the most... Uh, I'm going to start with The Boys. The Boys Season 2, you know, I'm going to flat out tell you, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. I, I'm not going to knock the show. But what I I did find Season 2 did not be as good as Season 1. Um, just not at all. Season 1, to me, was... was hitting... On every episode, it was hitting different things. Um, it just hit. It just hit different. Season 2 kind of didn't hit that good for me. Uh, I could see the direction they took. They were kind of spoofing uh, like Marvel and DC and all that shit. Uh, more so than it was an OG story of like superheroes that just... Just fucking hookers and and snorting coke on the side and demanding blowjobs from the new recruits and A train just flying down the road, you know, killing random people. Like it got away to me. Season two got away from that and turned devolved more into like spoofing big Marvel movies, big you know. It kind of got away from that in certain times. And it kind of got away from the fact that... I, what I felt was what made... The Boys Season 1 really good is they had... It kind of focused on the, the fuckery that the... You know, Vought and... You know, the Seven were actually up to. And it kind of turned more into like... They're trying to get... You know, and I guess that's the point of the boys. You know, they, the the story wasn't that though. Like, obviously Butcher was there doing what Butcher does, and he was trying to get his son, but he wasn't actually trying to take down Vought. And it didn't seem like anybody was trying to take down Vought towards the end. And it just seemed like it was just like the story was kind of. Well, I can tell you the story is the story is. Um, they kind of try to take down Vought or... But Stormlander comes in and the popularity of the soups rises. And Stormfront's got her own her own alternative motives. She wants to... She's part of old Nazi Germany. And she wants to uh, use Homelander as the white... The, the second coming of the white, you know... The White Reich. As it was the Third Reich. And... Her and Homelander have a fling, but 
the plan never really materializes and that's only just a brief section of the series and Butcher ends up trying to get his kid well actually tries to get tries to free his wife but then they intervene uh, the soups are now in all kinds of because Homelander is putting in a lot of pressure especially on Maeve uh, Starlight and a couple of the other ones you know there's a lot of internal beef uh, with the seven and it's just kind of you know the kind of story to me it just doesn't really it's not as straightforward it's kind of all over the place and and like I said it's not to knock the season but uh, to me the boys season one was phenomenal it was like an eight and a half or nine out of a ten for me and this second season was a solid like seven it was just it just to me it was not as good as season one it did have its moments uh it tr- it tried to push but you know what that's kind of i i kind of felt like they, they were uh holding the punches to me a little bit because i thought homelander like in his mind he wanted to fucking laser beam an entire crowd he should have done they should have left that in there and like he should have really fucked some shit up um you know he's fucking doppelganger and then they kind of don't show any of it even though it's kind of gross but it I mean they should have went for it I I felt he just ends up killing doppelganger and that's kind of the end of that uh, his milk fetish his titty milk fetish kind of pops up in the beginning and then it never reappears um, him and Starfront are boning but that lasts like two episodes uh, and yeah, I mean, you just kind of like the. There is no scene where he downs an airplane. There's no scene like that. There's no, like he doesn't do any ultimate crazy shit other than the fact that he's trying to get his son. Um, to become super, and it's not not working. Uh, he slaughters a bunch of VOD employees, but it's not like they don't show any of it. So to me, it's it's not like they held their punches a little bit on this um, season. Although I guess the villain going forward, and I'm not even so sure it's a villain. Uh, the girl is working for the Senate, which looks like she may end up becoming the president or she's running for Congress. But it looks like maybe she might actually soup her way up to the presidency. So maybe she's gonna turn into the ultimate villain um all those test subjects that were in that lab that got freed uh they're kind of like that is kind of left open i mean there's just a lot of loose ends in the in season two and i'm not sure if that had anything to do with coronavirus i'm not sure if it had anything to do with you know things that happened also maybe they had to rush it but I kind of feel like it just wasn't as good as season one, so. You know, but I, it's, it is enjoyable. I just was kind of like, oh, like, I was expecting maybe a little bit more. I mean, I was, like, hyped on season one, and maybe just season two just fell for me. Uh, 
the ending to me was kind of like I don't know like it kind of was juggled up a little bit like I don't know why Butcher gave up on the kid he should have kept the young Homelander for himself I didn't understand that um could have took him and raised him instead they're gonna hide his son you know uh they don't say definitively if not if Storefront dies. She's pretty fucked up, but I thought she couldn't die. I thought she was immortal. But we, we don't know, so I mean that's kind of a loose end. Uh, Homelander now has to make do with both Maeve and Starlight as being like the ones who try to take him down, but he can't do it because he's in the public eye. Um, so that might be a thing going forward. It's just kind of, it's just kind of what it is. I mean, you know, but that's enough about the boys season two. It's my official take on the whole thing. Um, up next, we'll talk about, you know, my trip to Lofton. I'll do that next. Uh, I'm actually going to pause the episode and then I'll be back. Because uh, I'm getting, I'm now getting towards, you know, my work. But I'll get this up as soon as I'm done. You know, I'll get this one up. But we're gonna talk Laughlin next. Laughlin, Nevada, the casinos, Aquarius, the Riverside, Tropicana, Golden Nugget, Edgewater. You know, I'm gonna talk about it at length. And so, you know, it is what it is. I'll catch you guys here shortly. I'll be right back. Yo, all right. So I'm back. <sighs> Long productive day at work. Got a lot of shit done. Still got... I got a very busy schedule in the next coming weeks. Um, trying to round out this year very well. So that's good on the work end. But... Um, as I was saying, Laughlin. So last weekend was my birthday. I didn't do much because I ended up working and then Sunday I typically take the day off and uh, nourish the soul as it, as it is pertains and as it was as it is I don't do much on Sunday so my birthday hit on a Saturday I think I just relaxed and watched the football game you know talking about the Buffalo Bills but this weekend, uh, going back to Friday, I watched The Boys, I think Thursday night. So, and again, I kind of feel as if The Boys season two wasn't as good as season one. And that's not to, that's not to knock as the police goes by. Fucking the cap is. That's not to say that The Boys wasn't good or that I don't recommend it or that season two didn't have its moments but I just I don't feel it was as good as season one I just it's kind of I kind of hard pressed to say hey the boys season two is better than season one and I just don't feel that way but I think I did that on Thursday and then Friday I woke up got my guys prepared to go to work got them some gas took them some tools that they needed did this and that and the other thing Damn, boogers. Anyways, 
Uh, so I got back home around 8.30. Did my the last little packing I needed to do, uh, which was really just change out of the clothes that I went and got everybody prepared to go to work in because I wasn't going to go in my good clothes to work for an hour and then, you know, and get those dirty and then be dirty a whole car ride in somebody else's car. Uh, so that didn't happen. And this, I, I went with my neighbor. Uh, I went with my neighbor and his wife and then one of the neighbors, one of their friends, a guy I kind of met a few times. I don't really know him. And I, I talked to him now, you know, but I don't really know him, know him. But so we took off, you know, and we jammed out. I jammed, we jammed over there. We got there probably around one o'clock. The very first thing we did, we were like, well, let's stop to get something to eat. So like, okay, cool. I got it. Yeah, I was feeling it. I could get something to eat, you know. Uh, we stopped at the Pioneer and one of those restaurants in the Pioneer. You sit on the river, kind of like on the river. It was kind of cool. The food was decent. I don't know what the restaurant was called in the Pioneer in Laughlin. But at that moment, I walked into their little uh, gift store where they sell beers and they sell everything. And it's two for six dollars. Tall cans. Like, fucking steal of a deal. So I got me two Miller Lights and I cracked them and chugged them before we even left out of the restaurant to go eat. So, I mean, I was already like feeling I was prepped to fucking be drinking. So. I got we got the drinking started early, man. We got it drinking. I got to drinking early, and then we went to the hotel to the Aquarius, which I think the Aquarius is a nice hotel. I don't know what hotel it replaced, but the Aquarius is uh is nice. It's got nice rooms. Uh, I didn't have any problem with my room. The only thing I would say about the Aquarius in a negative fashion is to me it's kind of in the inside you're separated into the two towers which doesn't make that much of a difference but the parking kind of sucks like that's flat out right off the bat there you had to park in the parking structure and, and there's not that much parking there now that's that's just a little knickknack things um, but inside it's really clean you know didn't smell too bad of smoke uh, but it's your typical Las Vegas experience. It's your typical, if you've ever been to a casino, you walk in and just, you're bombarded by slot machines. Yeah. Well, anyways, we checked in, did all that stuff. And I checked in on the self kiosk and my neighbor and, you know, his friend, they were, uh, they went to go check in at the, the, the people you, you would check into, the check-in people. And I got my keys and I was up in my room like quick as shit. I I went up to my room, came down, charged my phone for a few minutes before they had even checked in. So I was like, well, shit, like, damn, like, all right. So I immediately went to go get another round of tall cans. And I was like, all right, like, let's get the party started. And I went and pulled out a hundred bucks. But I used 20 to get my talk hands and shit. And I went to go gamble. <clears throat> I put 60 bucks on the blackjack. Found out I'm not good at table blackjack. And I'm only good at blackjack on 
fucking uh, online <laughs> as I lost all my $60 within like fucking 10 minutes 15 minutes at which point I took the remaining last 20 I had and I was like well let me just put it on the machine let me just see I don't know even remember which machine I put it on but I was highly disappointed because I was trying to play poker on a machine and I could not get a fucking pair to save my life and the next thing I know it was down to like three dollars max betted it and that was the end of my hundred dollars like limit that I put on myself and I was like fuck I don't got the t- I don't got that fucking cheese touch so uh, it is what it is the cheese touch is over you know fucking this just drink so at that point that that was probably around I want to say about three maybe four at tops at which point I wouldn't go grab me a pack of smokes because I was like oh I have a couple cigarettes here and uh <clears throat> let me give myself another round of tall cans so the drinking's going good I got a pack of smokes I'm like you know what I'm, I'm gonna have me fuck up four or five of these and I'll split the rest with you know everybody else that's there cool it's Friday I know the Lakers are starting I don't know what time they start but I think they started at six if I'm not mistaken so it was about four I got my smoke I got my tall cans I went and found and got a seat at at about 545 530 at the the sports area it's not a really a gambling area I think they actually do uh, they bet on the horse races right there on that area kind of thing and they, and they have all the the um, all the lines right there you know Raiders and Chiefs minus 12 points or whatever the, I don't know how that works um, I, I'm guessing if I could study it I, w- I would figure it out but I just don't know how it works the plus minus who's the underdog uh. e- whatever I sit at that area and, and I'm talking to the guy next to me and I'm like hey they're gonna have the Laker game here right he's like yeah yeah it's gonna come on at 6 right now they're showing the Tampa Bay the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees playing game five so I was like oh shit like I haven't been watching much baseball so so I watched game five they end and I think right away the the Lakers start up so it's it's about six o'clock I'm there we watch the tip off you know they got the volume up I'm drinking you know I'm having a good time and the game goes on now the game itself was good the Lakers that was game five came up short in game five and they really lost it at the end I think they were down three and then you know with like a second left and I was shit but the whole game was really good you know they the Lakers didn't get down more than seven or eight and they didn't get up more than like six or seven on the heat and they kept it close I mean it was a you know a seesaw match down the line down the you know I thought the Lakers had it they had it they went up two or three points with like two or three minutes left and I was like shit just another little push clamped down on that that offense on that defense and they got it but the heat was resilient and they they pulled through 
sent us back into game six on Sunday. Yeah, bummer. But that happened. You know, that ended. Went out. Started talking to, you know, my neighbor and some of his friends. Like, hey, where's everybody else at? You know, this thing, what are we going to do? What, what are we doing? Oh, they wanted to go to the Edgewater Casino. And I was like, cool. Like, you know, I'll go. Like. It's not that, you know, I'm like a poor sporter. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go. So we walked over. You know, it's about after, after I finished up a tall can and pack of smokes. Or a smoke. Uh, we walked over to Edgewater. And uh, I was like, you know what? Before I get too fuck, fucking drunk, let me get some food in me. So I stopped at this place called Wild Style. It was uh, burgers and pizza. In the Edgewater Casino in Laughlin, and I got me two pieces of pizza. I, like, I think the pizza were like five bucks a slice. I'm like, yo, give me a Supreme and give me a fucking pepperoni. Like, yeah, that sounds fire right now. Got that, got that in me. Continued drinking, and at that point, everybody said Edgewater wasn't the move, which well, I had just stepped in there. They're heading over to the Tropicana. The Tropicana was popping in the inside, gambling-wise. But the Tropicana seems kind of small, bro. Like, maybe the actual hotel part of it is not, but their gambling section is small. And it, to me, it's it seems older. Like, it's an older setup. While the Edgewater seemed a little bit more new, and so does the Aquarius. seems a little bit more modern. Uh, but no knock, no knock against the Tropicana. It's a nice hotel. Lit up green. I don't know why. Uh, perhaps that's just how they do it. Um, and we stayed there. We partied. I continued. You know, they had a little convenience store as well. Same deal with the tall cans. Got another two tall cans when I got there. Smoking. Uh, didn't do no gambling at Edgewater. Didn't do no gambling at Tropicana. Watching everybody play roulette, roulette, losing. Uh, meanwhile, more friends, uh, more neighbors from where I live showed up. Uh, at that time, it was like nine o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. They started showing up from back home over here, and they, uh, you know, then it turned into quite the festival. Like, it's taking shots. Drinking beers, drinking hot but lights, and just fucking man, it was like I was drunk as fuck. So I don't know what time I dipped out from the Tropicana. I walked back to the Aquarius, went up to my room, fucking hit the bed, and fucking was out like a light, bro, like a light. That was my Friday, Saturday. You know, Saturday I woke up. I actually got up because my guts and I had a piss bad. Were not letting me sleep. So I got up at like 7. Even after going to bed at like 1 or 2 in the morning. Um, <clears throat> fucking went, took a shit. Went piss. Fucking was just in the bath- bathroom for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Just, you know, so I do that too. 
just fucking wake up and you just sit on the toilet for like 30 minutes just like uh, like trying to gather your marbles in your head so sat there and shit I decided to take a shower because uh, I felt just kind of like I was already in the bathroom the shower was like right there and you can have all the free hot water you want so it's not like you know so I was like in it and you know what sleeping there in the nighttime the rooms at the Aquarius get bone shitting cold like borderline you can see your breath coming out when you're breathing borderline ice cold so that that's why in the morning I was like fucking freezing and then you get that little hangover where it kind of like gets into your bones and you're kind of already like oh like hits your core and you're like, oh, all right, already. Like, so that I taking a shower to me made a lot of sense at that point in time. So I did. I warmed up. I just was in the hot shower for like about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, just fucking standing there, letting all the heat warm up my body temp a little bit. Get out the bathroom. It's probably like 8, 30, but I, I go and I lay back down on the bed. And, but I'm like, at that point, I'm like, I fucking... Ain't no rush. What the fuck am I going to go do it down in the casino at 8 in the morning? So I just laid there, kind of dozed off, woke back up at 9, 9.30. Started fucking... Fucking up all my socials, you know. And then my neighbor calls me. He's like, yo, what do you get up to? I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I'm up. Like, He's like, we're about to go get some breakfast. You want to roll? I'm like, eh, I'm going to go get some Subway. So I seen Subway was in there. So, but anyway, at about 11, 11.30, I get down, finally get dressed, get down. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to just waste the whole day away right here in my room. Like, it's not how I roll on vacations. So I went down. I found the cafe inside the Aquarius. The cafe Aquarius is kind of good. Good food. Decent prices. You know, in the hotel, you don't have to go far. In the whole shebang. So actually, what I went what I went down for was they had this place called Rockin' Pizza or Pizza Rock. Um, I really wanted some Italian food, like a lunch, like a piece of lasagna. But I guess they don't open till three, so I didn't know that. But anyway, I just went to the cafe and fucked up a, a skillet and uh, had some biscuits and gravy, and I was like, "Fuck, you know, it's <clears throat> what it do." Anyways, at that point, I finished up with the cafe and I, was, I went outside. No beers. Got me a little water. I was drinking the water. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to head over to the Riverside because I know the Riverside has an arcade. It's got the movie theaters. Got It's got something to do. At least to go and see if it's open, remodeling, this, that, or the other thing. So I was like, it's a no-brainer. I'm going to just walk over there. It's fucking like a 10-minute walk. Plus, I needed it anyways. I was like, let me go. Let me get outside the hotel. Get some sun rays into me. Some vitamin D. And, you know, get some fresh air. Like, just clear the noggin. So, I waltz over there. And, uh, get there. And, I'm, like, looking for the arcade. And I ended up at the bowling alley. And I was like, no, I'm not going to try to. I'm not doing bowling. I'm trying to go to the movies or the arcade. And see that section. So, I get there. See the arcade? The arcade, it looks like they shrunk in size at 
the Riverside, but it's still there, so you can't fuck it, fuck up the arcades with your kids. They got Guitar Hero, they got your skee ball, they got your basic game. So I mean, it's it's an arcade. You you can go in there and play. And I mean, it's not the end of the world that it's not big or it doesn't have a great arcade in there. It's an, absolutely not the end of the world. It's absolutely good because I don't think the Aquarius has an arcade. So. I just glanced in there, walked in there, just seen the games. Like I said, it did feel like it was a little bit small. But I was like, let me check out the movie theaters. And I didn't think the movie theaters were actually open. Because I don't even know any movies that are out. But they sure enough, they are. And the only movie that was playing, I got there was like 2-ish. The only movie that came on was Unhinged. And that was at like 2.30. So I was like, alright. Done, done deal because I hadn't I haven't been to the movies in ages and fucking I was like alright it's movie time and I was like plus I could just kick back it's dark air conditioning you know relaxing I'm just relaxing it's basically what it is so I was like alright let me get a ticket to the movie which like I said again I haven't gone to the movies this entire pandemic not since fucking Valentine's Day not since Birds of Prey, the fucking terriblest movie on earth. Which, it's not, it's not. It's just not that great either. But, we, I went to go see Unhinged. And, I had no idea what it was about. But I was game for pretty much anything that wasn't fucking like a rom-com. So, apparently it's like rated R... And Unhinged. And you know what? If you haven't seen Unhinged, uh, do I recommend it? Eh, it's got its moments. It's not all that good either. But it, to me, I was like, fuck. Like, because I miss being in the movie theaters. I go see all the good movies. Um, to me, Unhinged was good only because I haven't seen the movie. It's Russell Crowe. Now... The story... I don't know. The story is wild. Like... But it's kind of your basic thriller. Like... The guy... He's unhinged. And he... Flips out on this lady and her kid. And now he starts fucking wanting to kill her. Uh... He... Kills and fucking... Murders a random ass. I think it's his wife and... Or his ex-wife and... Her new lover, he kills the fuck out of him, and uh, that's how the movie starts. He fucking bludgeons the dude and bludgeons the wife with a hammer. That shit is clean. Like I did, was like, wow, I didn't expect the movie to start off like that. That shit was clean. Um, and you know, the lady, her story starts off. She loses her job. She's going through a divorce. Fucking. She's constantly running late. She oversleeps. This, that, and the other thing. And her car's fucked up. By the way, she's running late to uh, drop off her kid to school. And he's putting pressure on her, too. Like, hey, three targets in a row. I got detention. And I don't know why. See, to me, this is kind of like Hollywoodish. She gets on the freeway to take him to school instead of taking the streets. And then, I mean, I don't know how goddamn far the kid had to go to school. But they made it seem like he had to go like across the town. Anyways, uh, 
she gets right behind Russell Crowe and his the lady the, she gets right behind Russell Crowe and his big ass pickup and they're at a red light the red light turns green he's not moving she gives him about 20 seconds of movie time and this motherfucker doesn't move so then she just gets on the horn like beep and and then she goes around him at which point he then pulls up on the side of her because they were making a left and you know he tells the kid roll down the window and then you know he's like you know what a courtesy tap is and the kid's like no I don't know what that, no, I don't know what that is it's like it's beep beep he's like did I get a courtesy tap no like ma'am apologize and I don't know and then he flips out on her so what ha- what what is a just a normal everyday occurrence of you know a motherfucker not paying attention well, they don't say he, he wasn't paying attention or not but he just flips out on her and he takes his his shit and he starts road raging um he follows her for a little bit it's like all up on her shit and she like dodges him and at which point I don't know how to this is Hollywoodish as well but he fucking finds her at a random ass gas station like I don't know how he anticipated she was gonna go to the gas station either like I don't get that another thing that I didn't get is the kid told her mom why don't you have a passcode to lock your phone which I don't know anybody that doesn't have a passcode or doesn't have face ID to lock your phone so that was another kind of like the movie should have never really happened you know uh, how it should have ended or uh, that movie uh, not how it should have ended but the uh, the one that has the that does the errors like for every movie error they give it a little point I forget which one that is uh but yeah, they made all kinds of critical errors and that. But I mean, I guess to keep the story going. Anyways, the motherfucker Rosalind finds her at a gas station and he takes her phone out of her car when she's not doesn't realize it, which is another thing. He didn't have the time to do all that, but he did it, I guess. And uh, she, then he starts really fucking with her, like fucking runs over some dude at the gas station anyways long story short this motherfucker gets all up in her contacts kills her look divorce her starts fucking with her family he puts in a burner phone in her car and he starts fucking with her like yo you're gonna kill off all these people until i get what i want and she gets the kid from the school and the climax is she tracks him he tracks her down at her parents' house, but she was like, okay, you know, I'll come, you know, everybody gets lost, but if he does find me, we'll have time to prepare to, like, an attack. Now, it, the whole time that they're driving real raging, there's a lot of accidents, and that, the, the little chase scenes are really good. They actually felt really real, like, I was like, fuck, like, they didn't look too cheesy, but I was like, damn, these fucking cars are flipping like a motherfucker, but <laughs> that, that part of it is good. Uh, the end of it, she ends up, she ends up killing the dude, Russell Crowe, she ends up 
fucking him up in the eye and then, you know, just kicks the fucking scissors into his head more. And she ends up subduing him. And that's pretty much the story of Unhinged. It's, to me, to me, it's kind of like... It was... I haven't seen any thrillers like that in a minute. So I was kind of like... Excited. I haven't... You know, it was a movie. I was in the movie theater. So overall, the experience, I... You know, just from being back at a movie... It's like a 9 out of a 10, bro. Like... <clears throat> You know, and and the Riverside Hotel had re, has redone their seats, so you're no longer you got the reclining seats with the uh, the tray. So if you have popcorn or sodas, you can sit there and eat and, and all that stuff. Dining experience, it's really truly really great. Good in there, the movie theaters. Uh, and yeah, like I said, Unhinged was it a good overall good movie? Eh, you know, it was okay for what it was. Uh, is it gonna be a classic where they're gonna redo it no you know it was a good it was a good movie i don't know if they're gonna make any profit or not or how much the budget was but the movie's out there for all eternity if you want to go watch it unhinged starring russell crowe's the mean dude pretty good and overall i mean I, I enjoyed my time in the movie theater so it wasn't that bad it wasn't like the movie was dumb um but that was that i finished up the riverside there walked out headed back to my room got a call from my neighbors suggesting hey we're gonna go over to the golden nugget and i was like cool just let me know i i'm getting into my room right now uh i gotta charge my phone oh actually you know what that's that's not how it all went down but i went and got me panda express because i was really trying to go to the rock and pizza but the line was like 20 minutes or 30 minutes just to get in there and then you had to wait 20 or 30 minutes to put a reservation on so i didn't do all that so i ended up getting pan express which whatever but i uh ended up charging my phone and then i got a call like hey we're gonna hit the golden nugget down the road like yeah i'm down the road give me a call let me know when you guys are getting ready to go like oh i'm gonna go get some gas so I waited for about oh, about 40 minutes. Somebody ever calls me up. It's like 7.38 maybe. Yo, we're ready. We're ready. Are you ready? Yeah, I'll be down there. Give me like 10, 15 minutes. Got up. Got ready. Jammed out. Waited for him to pick me up. Swooped me up. Waited for another neighbor to roll up. He came in. And then we headed down to the Golden Nugget. Which, uh, I guess the Golden Nugget is a nice, it's nice. It's a nice hotel. I have, don't know if I've ever been in there. Uh, it is a little bit more You can tell it's a little bit more higher end Than the Aquarius and the Tropicanda And The inside, the mood of it in the inside is really chill Like it's a really vibe hotel um, A little bit more low key They got craps right there in the front Which I don't know how to play craps Not even going to pretend that I do But I'd like to learn it Looks like the motherfuckers at the crap table were having fun uh, Don't know how to play but I'm assuming from what I know if you roll sevens like that's good not sure what you gotta roll to get the winner I'm not sure how you bet either uh, I hear people be winning on craps um, but that's what it is I mean I was at the golden nugget oh and at the golden nugget I pulled out another hundred bucks 
And I was like, okay, let me try the machines again. Let me just see what happens. And I started off at, I put 20 bucks in at the the wolf machines, the uh, thunder wolves or whatever they are, mystic wolves. And um, I got up to like 50 bucks. It pulled out. And I was like, oh shit, I'm, you know, I think the machines, those machines only gonna give you anywhere between 50 to 100 bucks is the max you can win at a machine before it starts taking everything from you. And uh, so I pulled it out and I was like, all right, let me walk around. Walked around, I hit um, Emperor's Dynasty or Emperor's Destiny. And, you know, I had a little bit of luck there too. We got some free spins out of it. I got, um, ended up walking away with about 50 bucks there. Or maybe about 60 bucks. So, uh... It was about 110, so I pulled it out and then I walked over to the Buffalo and I was like, let me just hit the Buffalo for a little bit. And then I ended up getting up to about 150 before I was like, yoink, pulled out my ticket, cashed it out and was done for the night. Said, you know what? I lost 80 the first night, got back 70 bucks on the house tonight. No, actually, uh... I mean, I think I broke even. So I was like, you know what? That's good. That's good. You can't ask for more. I've got to play for free. You know, shoot the shit with the amigos right there. You know, smoking. doing. I didn't do any drinking Saturday. Uh, but from there, the Golden Nugget, you know, we did, like I said, did a little bit of gambling there. I had a, you know, from there we went back to the Edgewater. I went back, we went back to the Wild Styles. And I got a uh, order of chicken wings and a Mexican hot dog, which was pretty good. Uh, did that. And from there, I went to my room. It was about 10-ish, 10, 30, 11. Leaned back and was like, all right, you know, fucking I'm out. Like, it's what it is. And, you know, I'm going to get up Sunday, you know. You know, everybody wanted to leave at like six in the morning, so you can't do, you can't stay awake too, too late. So that happened, and then Sunday, like I say, woke up, checked out, and head headed back to California. And overall, like I said, overall, I had a blast right there at a the Aquarius. A couple of days I was there in the, in the Riverside, in the Edgewater, had some good food. Had a lot of beer, you know, did my number there. Um, and overall, like, I, I I was like, damn, I wish I could have been on the jet ski. I wish I had one more day to do jet skis. You know, I would have loved to have come back, like, today, Monday. But, you know, that, there's always another time. You know, it's good that I get to go see. I want to go see. I hadn't been to Laughlin in, like, more than... 12 years. My dad was alive the last time I went. And I haven't been... I've been to Vegas, but I haven't been to Laughlin in I don't know how long. Um, but yeah, you know, I was kind of excited. You know, the Riverside is still, still rocking, still good. You know, I stayed at the Aquarius. I gave it two thumbs up. Edgewater looked like a pretty rocking hotel. The Golden Nugget also looked legit. The Trop seemed legit as well. So, heading home, though... 
you know, we got home and the Raider game started. So as we transition from Laughlin, I get back to, you know, Cali, back to my home right here at about 1030. The Raider game's on, man. And if you know, you know. But the Raiders whipped. They pistol whipped the Chiefs pretty much. Because the Chiefs came out. Uh, we put up three. And as the announcer says, look, three points not going to win the game against the Chiefs. Not going to beat them with field goals. So we got down, actually, as the Raiders did. We got down 14-3. to three. This is the first quarter. And after a pick, you know, Derek Carr threw a pick, which I was okay with because he hadn't thrown a pick in 270-odd throws, which, you know, any quarterback does throw picks here and there. Uh, and he hadn't thrown one all season. So game five, you know, you got to figure, okay, you know, get that out the way. Got a couple turnovers now. I get those up ironed out, you know, down towards the end of the season. You know, you don't want those happening. And, uh, yeah, the the look like the game was getting away from us, 14-3, to and John Gruden, Derek Carr said, if we're going to go out, we're going to go out swinging. And sure enough, uh, they got a little bit of a steady dose of Josh Jacobs and the other running back we got, they say, from Denver, who's actually really good. Uh, and they got a little steady diet of a little bit of checkdowns, and then we just started chucking the ball all, all over the field. Uh, Nelson Aguilar with the 59-yard bomb, or 59 or 52, you know, and then Mahomes and the Chiefs responded immediately. They went down the field and just dropped another seven on us. It was down 20, 21 to 10. And we went right back uh, and answered uh, to put it to 21-17. And then we got to somehow at the half, we ended up 24 to 24 at halftime. Which to me, I was like, you know, what more could you ask for? Close game. Uh, At which point, the second half, and I was like, okay, well... This has doomed the second half had doomed us the last two weeks. You know, the the Patriots and the Bills made that second half adjustment against us. And we just, you know, but we made the adjustment this time. Uh it started off defensively a little bit of you know, a couple of punts, both both sides on Kansas City and the Raiders. And then again, we just seemingly took control of it. Uh rugs. Caught his first touchdown, like, wide open down the field. Uh, we forced Mahomes into a turnover. And that was nearly returned for a pick six. And at somehow, some way, we ended up with 40 points to their 24 at that time. They were down 16, two, two possessions. Uh, Mahomes did end up <clears throat> scoring a touchdown late in the fourth quarter. I think about four minutes left. They tried to squib kick. Ruggs got it, pulled it upfield. And then we just simply ran out the clock on them. And uh, that's how the Raiders won. Uh, a big win, you know. I'm glad Derek Carr got his first win at Arrowhead Stadium. And I'm kind of glad that 
you know, the Raiders have gotten over the chief hump as of late. The Chiefs have, you know, been dominant the last couple seasons. Uh, I think they're like 40 and 6 or 40 and 7 with the division the last, I don't know how many years. You know, or maybe not. Maybe it's like 30 and 6 or 30 and 7 or something like that. You know, but the Raiders were able to, to pull off the big upset. And, and I really think it was a big upset. Um, because everybody's on the Chiefs nuts as if they're already going to win the Super Bowl. And I kind of don't feel like, I've said this many times, I don't feel that Mahomes is as great as they say it is. I think he's a product of his environment. These They got the weapons. You know, you do have Mahomes who is a weapon. You do have Hill. You do have Kelsey. You do have Sammy Watkins. You do got a number of Hilaire. You do got a number of weapons on the team. And any one of them can just fucking break off a touchdown at will. You know, so the weapons are there. But I think Mahomes is peaking with those weapons. And Andy Reid is maximizing the usage of them. And that's why Mahomes is really good. Uh, we take some of those weapons away. Somebody gets injured. They're going to turn into a fairly medium team. Because I don't think Mahomes is that sharp with the ball. He does a lot of scrambling. You know, people get free. So that's how... You know, it, that's how he's padding up this, the stats with all these completions. Uh, I'm not, and I'm not, not to knock Mahomes, but I just think that if he was on a poorer team, you know, a poor man's team like the Raiders were in the past, I don't think he would be as good. Uh, he'd still be making headlines, but he'd be facing mounting losses and, you know, a lot of criticism, a lot of naysayers, a lot of chirping in his ear. And who knows? But Derek Carr's and the boys showed out. And, you know, what could, what more can you ask for as a Raider fan than beating the defending? The first ones to beat the, the Super Bowl champs. The defending Super Bowl Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. You know, 4-0. We're looking at 5. They were staring at 5-0 right in the eyes. You know, they were eyeballing us. I fucking us for that that five and zero, oh. um, you know. And then you go in there and you, and you knock them around and turn them upside down, flip them for a loop, put them for a loop. You know, we hung forty on them, and I guarantee you the other NFL teams are gonna be like, "Wow, we're just gonna fucking throw it deep," because maybe they don't have the coverage that they thought they have. Maybe they can't get the pressure that they thought they could get to the quarterback. I mean, if you're going to throw a 72-yard or 79-yard bomb to Henry Ruggs, even though he's fast, got to be back there for three, four, five seconds. So if you can't get to there in time, you know, you're in trouble. And then you couple that, take the top off the defense, like how A.B. was supposed to do for us last year, and it opens up the run game. You know, you can't load the box. You know, start picking up first downs. Keep the ball away from Mahomes. Score the points. Go up 40. Make them have to come back. Pick him off. You know, force those fumbles. They do what San Francisco couldn't do last year in the Super Bowl. And what the Patriots couldn't do. Hang enough points on them to second-guess their strategy. And I think that's kind of what happened this game. The game got away from them. Uh, and usually the game gets away from the other teams playing them. You know, because they're the ones who usually hang in 30-plus points, 40 points on the team. And then it's like... 
well, shit, if we give the ball away back to them, they're going to pour more points on us, so then mistakes occur. But it was a little bit interesting, the role reversal, and, it, you know, it's a good step for the Raiders because now they know that they can beat them. So that's just a little, you know, just a little tick of the knob, a little, you know, a little notch in the cap. Like, you know what, we can beat them if, if we do these, this, that, and the other thing. Take it deep, you know, if everybody's healthy and they can beat them. It's a division game. You know, the division games are usually that way. Um, kudos to the Raiders. You know, I watched that game and I was, you know, couldn't believe it. You know, my low, my lowly Raiders, my lonely, lowly, you know, Raiders. Uh, you know, just every year there's always a game or two that you're like, wow, if we played like that every game, we could do something. And I believe if we play every game like we play the Chiefs, we could be not only competitive, but we could be up there. The The task at hand is doing that consistently every week. Um, it's a big task to do, you know, a lot of young players, a lot of injuries. But it's not like it's not doable. Uh, it leads me right into... The Laker game that happened last night, you know, the Lakers came on. I took a nap once the Raider game ended at 1. Took a nap at about 2 to about 4. 4.30, woke up in the NBA Finals. Game 6 was on. And I gotta tell you right now, if you're unless you're under, hidden under a rock, the Lakers won that shit, man. And you know what? In pretty convincing fashion, they just stopped the heat. Uh... And we're up 36 points. I mean, the score was like 86 to 56 into the third quarter. And the game was over. And once the Lakers clamped down and put that much juice on the heat, there was no overcoming. Because the game was almost out of hand in the second quarter. Um, I believe the Lakers were up big in the second quarter. And if I'm not mistaken, they were almost up 20 or 20. 25 points at that point and then I get into the second quarter or the second half and they get up to 36 and at that point it was just a matter of wearing the clock down and I was like okay as long as we don't foul as long as we don't turn over milk the clock put up two here put up two there you know if they score we score kind of you know there's not going to be enough time to make up a 36 point deficit at any point and they got close. They put it back within 20-some points. I don't think it got anything less than like 18 or 17. But then we exploded again towards the beginning of the fourth quarter. And then it was just pretty much... They waved the white flag with about two or three minutes left. And so did the Lakers. And it was just the Lakers are the 2019-20 NBA champs. And there is a lot of naysayers to their their title run but I don't see why uh everybody was in the bubble everybody had two or three weeks to play the season wasn't brand new it's not like you traded and got new players I mean you were pretty much seated how you were in the regular season um I think it was actually better that they played this way because sometimes the 80 some games plus the you know the playoffs and it's just like too many goddamn games, too many things can happen, too many injuries, somebody could twist their ankle, 
which actually popped up in the finals of the Heat, you know, uh, Drogic and uh, Bam were both injured for like two games. Would it have made much of a difference in the series? I don't believe so, but uh, they were out a couple of games. That could have easily been like towards the end of the season for Miami. And then them round them boys round up, you know, in the playoffs and then get a full head of steam, you know, going into the finals. But overall, I think that happens for every team. And the Lakers seize the moment. That's what it is. They just seize the moment. They seized the moment and uh, they came away champs, man. So go Lakers, you know, 17, 17 in the books. And we might repeat. We might repeat. Who knows, man? I'm going to tidy this up here shortly with my thoughts on the Lakers chip and all the things it means. Hang on. Mm, okay. So I'm here going to wrap up this Laker discussion. Um, I'd like to briefly touch up on the Raiders' victory over the Chiefs. I think it was a big win, a really big win for the team. Humongous for them going forward. Especially against that squad. Especially since we're still new to Vegas. You know, and you want to be competitive. You want to be, you know... We didn't move to Vegas to, to lose. We moved to Vegas to win. This is a winning mentality. New stadium. Good coach. Stable coach. Stable quarterback. You know, stability. Consistency. Win. You know. It was a huge statement game for the Raiders. Still early in the season, so the Raiders' fate has yet to be determined whether or not we make the playoffs. Compete. Super Bowl, um, win the division, whatever the case may be. However, moving past that, the Lakers have done silenced a lot of uh, ESPN analysts, have silenced a lot of critics. Um, they did a lot in these playoffs. Um, and they're going to continue doing a lot. The Dynasty Warriors, um, that ship, I believe, has sailed. The Warriors might get another ring or two um, down the road. But they're going to have to contend now with the Lakers, who are now... And this is what I see. I, I remember talking to you guys about a year or two ago about the Lakers and LeBron. LeBron's, I think, got one more year left on his contract out of his four. Um, he's 35, 36, my age. Um, he could possibly play until he's 37, 38, so, you know, he's got a few. I think with the success he's now had in L.A. and with the constant moving you know, now he's got a good home. And I really think a stable franchise. Miami is, is about as stable as they come when he was with the time in Miami. But that was 
mired in marred in controversy. So of course him bolting from there when he did to go back to Cleveland uh, made tremendous sense. You got Cleveland a chip, so he owes them nothing. So now L.A. is a place where he can just, you know, continue to leave a legacy. And all the meantime, there's not the the controversy of him being there. There's not the that sort of element is off his back. That sort of like there's no. You know, there's no bad mojo surrounding him in L.A. So I think it's a more comfortable environment. I think it's a more friendly environment. It's a more conducive environment for him, especially for his off-the-field things he's got going on as far as movies, his brand, his, his kids, things of that nature. And you know what? Ernie's going to say a few, and I think we might pop off another one with LeBron. So, just to further increase his already, you could, Jordan's there, and so is Kobe. And I know that Kobe done left the footprint for him, you know, in both exiting the game. I think Kobe had a phenomenal exit. And I believe Kobe, more so than MJ, was bound to have much more success post, post-basketball. And I think Braun sees that and is like, you know what, Kobe's on to something here. Raise the kid, let them be the, you know, the next face of... Yeah, like I talked about before, I think Kobe... In G in Gianna, Gianna, I think was about to be the Michael Jordan of the of the WNBA, and that's no disrespect to Diana Taurasi and those who came before her, you know. Um, but the WNBA is still in its infancy years. It hasn't had the mega ultra superstar that drives the stadiums full of people that brings the animosity, the tenacity. To the sport that it 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 needs it needs its it needs its supervillain it needs its superhero it needs its you know it needs its somebody that says you know what I'm gonna tune into whoever to that person's game whoever they're playing and just watch because it's must see TV because they're just completely dominated you know the regular season you know like like Michael Jordan did like Magic Johnson like Kobe. And I really, I really think the MB, the WNBA, is gonna have to wait until another mega superstar NBA player's daughter takes up the reins, similar to how Kobe's daughter did. And I think Braun sees that, and I think he also sees Kobe was leaving his stamp on his Mamba, you know, gym and his just his work ethic outside of basketball. So I think, you know, he won an Emmy, and and I think he. I think Kobe, you know, rest in peace, but would have been the next, you know, John Madden 
of, you know, basketball. You know, John Madden transcended coaching. He became the face of Monday Night Football. He became the face of a video game. Uh, people still talk about John Madden. John Madden still talks about things, you know. He would have went down, you know, Kobe was, I think, trending that way. Uh, only so many people trend that way. Jordan, Jordan's got his shoes, but outside of that, I mean, you know, but I think Kobe was well on his way to doing something like that. And I think Braun sees that. I think the vision, like I said, the Lakers do that better than anybody else, is take care of their people on the back end of you know, it's not just like, hey, you play for us, get lost. It's, hey, you play for us, what do you need? You know, how can we help you? You need a gig doing uh, commercials. You want to get your foot in the door here, you know, calling the games. You want a coaching, you know, recommendation, whatever the case may be. The Lakers more or less take care other players. I know some things do come down to business, like, oh, you know, it's a, it's a money dump or this or that or the other thing, but the Lakers take care of their superstars better than anybody else, including Kobe, including Shaq, including Magic, including, you know, Kobe, including, you know, any number of players. Go down the list. Um, you know, Kareem, any number, you know, Robert Ory, Rick Fox, any number of players you could just pop off. And they're still entwined and entangled with the Lakers organization. Either they're there at the games or they're wherever. You know, they appear on their little, you know, their little studio thing that they got. So, like I said, I think Bronze is that, and I think he's going to ride with us another couple years. Two, three more years before he calls it quits. And the, the NBA uh, is in danger. The NBA is in danger of him repeating, if not three-peating with the Lakers. Um, hats off to Frank Vogel. And I've tweeted this out on my Twitter. Frank Vogel has got to be this championship run. For him, and, and not just not just Frank Vogel, obviously the Lakers organization as a whole. But I really look at Frank Vogel. Um, this has got to be if not if he is not in the conversation of the top ten coaches of all time. This is definitely within the top, perhaps five performances by a coach of all time in the NBA history. I mean, he got hired and immediately, immediately, he went from the coach of the Indiana Pacers or wherever he came from, a defensive-minded coach, to immediately to, there was already negative connotations about him being the coach. Like, who is he? Who's Frank Vogel? Um... He's just another scrub. He's not going to win shit in L.A. And then the conversation went from Frank Vogel to we acquired Anthony Davis. We traded Lonzo and 
not I can't think of his name. Brandon Ingram, which was, I think that was a tough one to, to trade, but they they did it. Um, they traded, and I forget who else they traded with. There was a three three to get one. And you know what? It, we got Anthony Davis, and the expect, expectations were high. They were very high at that point in time. Uh, I knew when we got Anthony Davis, I was like, okay, we're another piece or two. We're like a piece and some good role players away from seriously doing some major work in the NBA. Damn near a super team with just one more solid player. And Kawhi was, I think, on the discussion table behind the scenes. Nobody's going to know because the Lakers... Never going to tell you. The Raptors, never going to tell you. Kawhi's people are never going to tell you. But I definitely believe that the Lakers were in communication with him in his camp. And he was in communication with the Lakers in their camp. And it wasn't like we weren't eyeing him and he wasn't eyeing us. But he backstabbed the Lakers. Perhaps because he just didn't want to team up with LeBron and be on the super team and go... Down that road. I don't know who was chirping in his ear. But he flipped the script. He could have went anywhere else. Mind you. And he chose the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, and Paul George said. Ooh la la. I would like that. With him. I want me some of that Clipper. You know. That, that other LA team. That other Clipper. Swag, and you know what? Uh, the Lakers took it on the chin because they didn't get the they didn't get all the pieces that they wanted. They didn't, uh, you know, the analysts were already pegging the Clippers because the Clippers were good. The Clippers have been good for a number of years now. I'm not gonna lie. Um, they have actually been squashing us regular season games for quite some time, uh, and then they get. Kawhi Leonard, who arguably can guard LeBron pretty well. Uh, and you get playoff, or not playoff, but Paul George, PG. Um, and who's another good basketball player. And then all of a sudden, you, coupled with Doc Rivers and the core that they already had established there, you would think that they were immediately in contention, if not slight, have a slight edge over the Lakers based on the fact that the Lakers were in a little bit less shape compared to the Clippers. Uh, so Frank Vogel, immediately, there's a whirlwind of behind-the-scenes nonsense that's going on with the Lakers and the Lakers organization and and all of that. And Frank Vogel took it. Uh, he said, you know what? We're still, we got LeBron, we got Anthony Davis, we've got Kuzma, we've got, you know, Caruso, we've got a number of of players, KCP, uh, Rondo, you know, we can make this work. And I think he literally took the challenge 
of something like that of, hey, we can make this work. And you know what? There was a couple of bumps along the way. You know, the Christmas Day loss to the Clippers, the opening night loss to the Clippers. You know, that's not how you want to, you know, you want to set the tone, obviously. You don't want to lose games to, you know, your rivals. You don't want to just, you don't want to start off 0-5 in basketball and then try to, and, you know, we went on a tear there in the beginning of the season. I think we were, I don't know the exact record we have, but I think we only lost to, like, a couple of the good teams in the NBA, but we were feasting on everybody else. Um, we built up a massive lead, and then, you know, some of these records are rebroken, and then, you know, tragedy strikes the Lakers. Tragedy really sh- struck, you know, and I've talked about it before, you know, Kobe, you know, what he meant to the Lakers, what he meant to me personally, uh, what he meant for uh, the Dallas sports. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of California sports, especially Southern California, where we've got all these teams, you know, Dodgers, Lakers, Angels, Clippers, Chargers, Raiders, 49ers, A's, fucking the Kings, the Ducks, all these professional, only one team consistently wins shit around here, and that is uh, the Lakers. And for me, that is Kobe Bryant. Magic was pre-my time. Uh, Kobe and Shaq, you know, three-peated their way. Almost, you know, quadrupled up that title, you know. And then we hit a little drought. And then we were right back at it. Three straight finals with Paul Gazan and... Uh, Kobe, and we, we took one on the chin against Boston, but we came back, whipped up Orlando, and then we we exercised the demon in Boston, and it was another fun run. For me, seeing Kobe and Shaq was fun to watch, and then seeing uh, Kobe and Gazal, you know, that run, too, was a fun run, you know. And even after that, even at the tail end when we were, you know, the, the year after we beat Boston and we landed up losing to Mavericks, and they go on to win it all. Uh, basically that was, even though they swept us, that was the, that was the championship series there. That was what was going to be, who was going to be the champion, the Mavericks or the Lakers, even though they swept us, we were gassed. I think we were gassed and you know what? Sometimes that happens. Um, but the death of, the death of Kobe, you know, it may be Braun later on in his, you know, after he's out of the game of us, maybe he'll really reflect on it and say, you know what? And I think, you know, and I know, I don't know how close him and Kobe were, but when you know that you're a legend and you see the legend just leave and everybody compares them between Kobe MJ and Braun, and he's there, and he and he witnessed a lot of Kobe's career, and, and you know, played against each other, played with each other, at, you know, the Olympics. Uh, 
you know, and even though they're always at, you know, arm's length away from each other, they're never really like, they weren't really teammates um, for a season or nothing like that competing against each other. You know, I look at it like, you know, in my personal life, it's like, you know, you, you, you do the same thing as somebody and you guys are working the same field, you know, and you guys go both out of family and you're like, well, you know what? I do this, I do that. And you're like, oh, you know what? I do this and that too, you know. Out there grinding and you see the grind and you're know, like, hey, man. And you, and you, and you re- real recognize is real. Sometimes you come across people that are just like, hey, you know what? I'm in business for myself. I hustle this. You know, I do drywall and this. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I'm in my business for myself. I hustle. You know, I do a uh, tile. You know, and you see, you know, you see when people get home occasionally walking in the door 8.30 at night after leaving 6.30 in the morning. You you see um, how dirty they come home, how sweaty they come home, you know, grease on their face, you know, as a construction worker. You see it. So sometimes you recognize it and you start talking, you know, hey, man, you know, where were you at today? Oh, shit, I've been doing some big job out here in this place and you're like oh cool man you know it's hot out there yeah man you gotta drink that water you know sometimes you recognize the real recognizes the real when you see people in the hustle and you see them grinding it out you, you you know so i can't i could just imagine that lebron and kobe had that kind of a vibe with each other uh and then the death really struck it really struck the the lakers organization the core uh of it you know shaq Cream, obviously, Genie, anybody associated with the Lake organization. And then, you know, LeBron is playing for the Lakers. And, you know, I think that for Frank Vogel to survive that and to push the team and get them refocused uh, was an excellent job because we ended, we ended up beating the Clippers. We ended up beating Milwaukee. We ended up beating. Uh, two or three of the top teams just before COVID hits. Um, Frank Vogel had us playing some inspired basketball, some hard, gritty basketball, some basketball that, you know, after all that I just said, just gone on. And that's, you know, even though it's, it goes and it's, you know, you get some breathing room in between here and there. Some wins silenced the critics a little bit. But then this COVID hits and you know and there's a there's a, a couple of month layoff. And as myself as a basketball fan, I, I felt that the defense was gonna suffer the most in these playoffs. Why? Because Teams like Boston, teams like Lakers, and the team, some of these defensive power out of San Antonio, that requires another level of conditioning. And it requires another level of, you know, grit and desire and want that you need to do to get, get that job done. If you want to hold a team to 80 points, 90 points, 70 points, like the Boston did, you know, did us, you know, 10 years ago now, however many years ago now. 
uh, it just requires another level of conditioning. It requires another level of focus that, hey, we're not going to allow them to put up any points. And we need to go down and execute and put up a few points. But we need to definitely clamp down. And especially you're going to clamp. If you're trying to clamp down, switch and rotate and, you know, swarm to the ball. It's not easy to do, man. I, I played basketball many times with my nephew, and guarding somebody is you put in just as much work defensively as you would offensively. So that, you know, I I felt that in this bubble, in this COVID bubble, with all that time off, that some of these players and some of that defensive, you know, grit and, and tenacity that other teams like the Spurs play with, the Celtics usually play with, you know, the Lakers play with, the Warriors. I felt that that would hurt those teams because of the time off. And to just run and shoot the ball, people like James Harden, uh, the Joker, you know, the Clippers have shooters up and down the roster. Uh, you know, the Bucks shooters. Everybody's got shooters. The Trailblazers got shooters. The West is loaded with people that can shoot the ball. I felt that that was going to hurt the Lakers because of, uh, and then again, LeBron's older. In some aspects, we have an older team. Dwight's old, Rondo's old. So we'd be a step, I thought we would be a step slower. Um, and you know what? We didn't look all that sharp that like two week kind of like preseason thing that we had. And then I would just seeing James Harden popping off 50 points. Uh, Damian Lillard, 45 plus points back to back. Russell Westbrook going off. Um, the Suns were going off. I mean, they're just, there were just people offensively were going off and none of them, none of those, teams were the Lakers. The Lakers would never had anybody go for for 50 points. And I think that that's a that's credit that's super credit to Frank Vogel again. Vogel said, "You know what? If we're going to do this thing, everybody needs to chip in X amount of points. Everybody needs to chip in on the defense and we're going to get this done." And that really showed up in the playoffs. Uh Back to the Trailblazers again. I thought the Trailblazers had an advantage because who can stop Damian Lillard outside of LeBron? And you can't just have LeBron guard him all game. Obviously, LeBron needs to score, you know. And obviously, you know, he needs his rest. And obviously, you know, you don't want him in foul trouble. So, obviously, there's, you know. But then the Lakers, I mean... It's nearly a sweep. We went four to one in five games. I mean, it's they won one. Game. The Blazers won one game. Moving on to the second round, you take on James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and company. And again, otherworldly, out out of space, out of bounds shooters. You know, the Rockets. James Harden probably had. 
the best run in the bubble. Yeah, like back-to-back games with 50 or 60 points. Like crazy numbers. And again, the Lakers really clamped down on the Rockets, let them win one game in the advance. Meanwhile, the Clippers uh, blew a 3-1 lead, lost in seven to the Nuggets, and I was there for that. My neighbor is a huge Clipper fan. I couldn't believe that they were down. They were up 3-1. Damn near winning that game 5. Blow a lead. Gets to 3-2. Gets to 3-3. And then they blow game 7. I end up watching it. I was all over Twitter tweeting about it because I couldn't couldn't believe it myself. Um, And then on top of that, I just... You know, it's just one of those things, man. I was, it's just, it was a huge sport moment in the NBA on Twitter. Um, just everybody was talking about it. I was, I was talking about it as well. Like, I couldn't believe it. And then we get the Nuggets. The Nuggets are no slouch. The Nuggets are going to be formidable for a couple, for a number of years to come. Formidable. Jokovic. Is no joke. That guy is just an offensive powerhouse. I think they're like one piece away from seriously winning a championship. Um, I think they just need somebody, a big body like a Dwight or, a, you know, a Blake Griffin, somebody who can put up 20 points, but is also big and, and can handle somebody like LeBron, can handle, you know, Kawhi Leonard and these guys who are are kind of big for their positions, but they can also play. And I, and I think they have opportunities to get players. Uh, they have opportunities to do a lot of things. And, and the Nuggets are not, and no, and no means, even though the Lakers beat them too, again, in five, they were in a lot of the games. Anthony Davis, buzzer beaters. So they could have easily, we could have, they could have easily took us to six games or even seven games. Um, Anthony Davis hits a buzzer beater, you know, that was kind of a dagger to the hearts of the Nuggets, but sometimes that ball doesn't drop and, and, you know, maybe we don't win the game. Maybe it's 2-2. You don't know what happens. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, man. I mean, the Nuggets came with, they came with it, um, and again, like I said, they, they could have easily taken us more than more than the five games. They could have easily taken six games, easily taken it to seven. Um, however, the the NBA and LeBron and Anthony Davis started sensing that that finish line. You know, were able to put away the the Nuggets in five. And then as the NBA Finals rolled around, the Miami Heat on the other end. Phenomenal job on their side. But when we took game one, I knew it was dangerous. The Lakers at this point, as soon as game one goes in the NBA Finals, as soon as the Lakers just completely obliterated, they were up big in game one, just like they were in the closeout game. They were up big. And I kind of feel like that was just a flash. Just like the game one in this closeout game is just a flash. It's a prelude of what the Lakers could be next year. Uh, 
scary on the defense. You got so, and the Lakers have so right now they have so many big bodies: Dwight, LeBron, Anthony Davis, uh, Morris. They've got uh, Kuzma is not small either. And then they can't, and then they do got small bodies, you know, to play the small ball with teams. They've got Caruso. They've got uh, Kuzma. They've got Rondo. They've got KCP. They've got Danny Green. They've got a number of players. But the Lakers, just in general, they got a lot of big bodies. And if you don't come at them correct, those big bodies get moving and working and rocking. And it's, it's Lob City. The Lakers are playing Lob City with Anthony Davis over a lot of teams. With Dwight over a lot of teams, with LeBron over a lot of teams, Rondo just giving Anthony Davis free easy points. I mean, Rondo balled out. Uh, he was. People were so worried. Miami was so concerned by what Rondo was doing, who he was going to pass the ball that they gave him open real estate all over the court. Easy pass to the buckets, wide open threes. Rondo had a hell of a series against Miami, and uh, I think that's a, a testament to how good Anthony Davis is because Rondo was just wide open 90% of the time he had the ball in his hands. And the second they decided to just try to body up Rondo, uh, there's a quick pass to LeBron to get it to AD, to get it to somebody else, to get it to another open shooter. Like The Lakers just just pounded the paint. At times. And then the length of Anthony Davis. The big body of Dwight. LeBron. On the defensive end. is just. The, the little bodies of Miami. Just could not. Make the adjustment. Even though they won two games. And that's a lot of credit to the heart of Jimmy Butler. And the coaching staff to the Heat. But the other four wins. Were pretty much convincing. Um, a couple of blocks. The Lakers, when they never lost in the blowout. It was close to a couple of losses they had. And that was with the Lakers playing a little bit, you know, not up to the standard that they could be. And I think going forward, the Lakers are going to be handful for any NBA team for those reasons, and they're going to get better. Um, you can't tell me that now that Alex Cruz and other KCP and Rondo, Dwight and and all the other role players that they're like, you know what, we can win another one. Uh, this was the first one. This is get they got the job done, and I believe wholeheartedly, Kuzma and Danny Green and everybody, wholeheartedly that they're gonna get the confidence, they're gonna get the swag, and next year when it opens up. NBA season and we get a free agent or two, uh, we're going to be scary. The Lakers are going to be scary going forward for the next few years. Um, even as LeBron dips, bows out and dips out, uh, who's to say we don't pick up uh, Zion or whoever else, you know? Who's to say we don't pick up, you know, some other dominating force that emerges you know, there's already dominant players in the league. Anthony Davis could just evolve into 
the next dominant player and maybe we're looking for the next Shaq. and then there's you know there's booker from the suns i mean there's superstars all over maybe dame lillard wants to come play with anthony who knows who, you know who knows but that's what i feel about the lakers and i think i, I said frank vogel coached the phenomenal playoffs uh, made all the good adjustments um he a, a typical cap to frank vogel you know obviously bron bron does what bron does but he really frank vogel really squeezed and got out and really you know pressed the greatness to come out of the players and it really showed and it really as I, it really it really dominated the nba uh these playoffs and really they really dominated the nba pre-covid post kobe and even pre-kobe's death i mean frank vogel had his squad playing at a high level and like I said, that now that the Lakers won this, uh, that tenacity is going to actually grow next year. And, and I think without the distractions and without the, the, the behind-the-scenes, you know, gibberish from the sports analysts and company, uh, they'll be even more focused and now it's going to be defend the crown. I mean, you know, and I think they're going to, I think they're going to do it. We might be looking at a repeat. It'd be interesting to see us score up against the Warriors, score up against the Nets with a healthy Kevin Durant. But, you know, that's my thoughts on the Lakers. I mean, you know, phenomenal run. Like I said, I watched every game of these finals, watched every game of the, along the way. For the Lakers, I didn't watch any games on the East, but all the games that the Lakers played, I watched, and you know, I could see it before when the Lakers, before COVID, and then at, you know, and during these playoffs, that the Lakers just dominated, man. They just dominated, and I, and I think that Kobe mentality crept in here in the finals, and we were able to put away and get that chip, get the 17 in, four for Bron, 17 in total. For Kobe, for LA, you know. So that's it for this episode, you know. Uh, I'm gonna get this posted up here, and hopefully next week I got some other good stuff to talk about. Uh, right now I'm trying to watch, finish up watching some animes, and then finish up a couple of other things. But uh, hopefully, hopefully I can get it done, and that way I can. The Dodgers are in the on the playoffs, but they just lost tonight, so my Raiders don't play this weekend coming up, so we'll see what I we'll see what I wrangle up as a topic to discuss. But with that, with all that said, you know I'm out. I'm out in uh, Go Lakers 2021. Oh, you know what? The election is coming up, but that's in November, so we're a ways away. Either way, I'm out.